0: This week we'll have our life groups finish up for this year and we'll start again in the fall. And just to remind and encourage everybody, you're welcome to participate in those. And, And those are groups that meet in homes that discuss basically the lesson that we're sharing this morning. And if you want more information, you can talk to me or just start asking around and someone will invite you to their life group and you're welcome to participate. In fact, one meets right here at the building right after assembly. Now there is a, uh, we're going through an elder selection process that we've been talking about quite a lot, and what we are hoping is there's a box in the back. There's on the the podium or the table that's leading into the um, auditorium. There, there is uh, there are nomination forms, and what we want everyone to do is to spend some time in prayer, put names down of. Of men that are spiritual leaders in this congregation, and submit those, and um, we shared that we wanted to have them in by today and so hopefully there's a, by the time all of us leave and head out to lunch there is a there 's a heavy box that 's full of them uh, back there and um, you can also submit via email, and those instructions are on that uh, sheet back there as well, and uh, all of us. Just, I think all of us can submit those by email because you fill it out, you take a picture, and you attach it to the email. And I know that even Mark Morgan and Don Rogers have smartphones now. Don, I think Don was our, our last holdout, but they took his away from him. They took his flip phone away because it didn't work anymore. And so even Don has a smartphone. Do you, even, do you know what type of smartphone it is? No, he doesn't know what type of smartphone it is. He just knows that he can take pictures and send text. So that's a way you can uh, submit nominations as well. But excited about uh, what, what God's doing among us, um, that is, uh, whenever we appoint elders, it's a great exercise no matter what the outcome is. And I know because it causes us to, prayer, to pray, it causes us to reflect and, uh, and think about uh, spiritual leadership and some of the most important things that we think about, uh, we do during this process. Okay, we're going to switch, and I'm going to talk about what are elders and what do they do today. Now, I want to share something just to help us understand or get the the point across. Uh, When COVID happened here this last year, uh, spring soccer didn't happen a year ago. And so around my house, we had a very, very bored little boy trying to figure out what on earth am I going to do because I can't play soccer right now. And so we started taking up fishing more than we had before. And lo and behold, we started catching fish every once in a while. And I remember going into fly shops and starting to ask questions. Something I did is I always took my son with me because people that work in fly shops are much more willing to share what they know when you have a little boy that's there asking than someone like me that's asking. They may or may not tell me much, but boy, if there's a little guy in there, they'll start spilling their guts. And they started talking about stuff like, well, you've got to be ready for the Mother's Day caddis hatch. And you need to buy these uh, blue-winged olives. And it started talking about all these things. And I thought, I have no idea what a caddis is, what a mayfly is, what all those things are. I have no idea what on earth these guys are talking about. I'm not even sure what a hatch is, but I'm supposed to know this stuff. And I remember thinking and scratching my head, thinking, well, I know what a grasshopper is. Okay, I've got that. Well, that's called a terrestrial. Okay, well... I call it a grasshopper. I know that anyway. You know, all these terminologies, I was trying all these terms and the terminology I was wrestling with, trying to figure out what are these guys talking about? And there's a language that goes to an education that goes to learning to fly fish. And so when we talk about elders, we use that term. This is what elders are this we use that term as if all of us know exactly what that is. And, and that may be the case, it probably isn't, because all of us have some ways, some things to grow in, and trying to figure out what on earth is this that Scripture talks about as elders? And uh, when Chris says, the elders did this, or the elders said this, what on earth are we talking about? So we're going to take a few steps back, and we're going to talk about what Scripture says when we're talking about elders. Who are they, and what do they do? So here's a picture of some shepherds here, and we'll get to why that's important here in just a minute. But let's look at some scriptures, and I'll just read uh, through them. And there are portions of scriptures that use some different terms, and then we'll talk about these terms. 1 Peter 2, verse 25 says, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so these terms are used for God himself. Is When we repent and we return to God, we return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Those are two terms that are used there. Here's another one. Later on in 1 Peter, he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So there's three terms that are used here when Peter is referring to other elders. He uses the term elders. Well, he uses two two of them here, I guess. Elder and he uses shepherd. Here's another scripture. Acts 20, verses 17 to 28. And this is when Paul comes and meets the elders that are in Ephesus. They uh, travel down and meet him there at Miletus. And he says, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. He says, pray carefully to yourselves And pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for or shepherd the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So here's some terms that are used here as well. Elders, overseers, and shepherds. Let's look at one more scripture here. In Titus 1.7, this is one that we've read several times. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. So there's four terms that we see being used over and over here. Elder, overseer, shepherd, and steward. So we're going to talk about what those terms mean. And so hopefully you guys can, all of us, can come away understanding a little more than I did when I was at the fly shop asking those questions. And fortunately, I found some articles that gave some nuts and bolts on what those things mean. And when I don't understand, I call Travis Lorenz and I ask him. And he tells me and he explains it all. So it's good. He knows knows fish. So the first term that we're going to walk through here is called presbyteros, is the Greek term. It means elder. Now we'll talk about what it doesn't mean here in just a minute. But elder means older ones who lead because of experience. And so Jewish Christian elders were older men of experience and wisdom whose principal function was to oversee the affairs of the community. Now when you look in this, at this section in Acts chapter 11, what's happening is the Gentile churches have taken up this huge contribution. And Paul wants to take it back to Jerusalem as a goodwill offering for the tough times to take care of the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem because of the tough times that they've been experiencing. And so what happens is the elders from some churches go along to oversee this. Process And what, what they're doing is they're making sure so that in the eyes of everybody, it is completely above board what's happening. Paul isn't taking the money off to the side and embezzling it somewhere. There's nothing that, like that's happening. This is done in order to keep things above board. Nothing is going to be swept under the rug. It's clear to everyone exactly what's happening. And that's what the elder's role is in that particular situation. Also, deciding disputes or helping in that process this is Acts 15, and what happens here is there's some big changes that happen when Jesus comes and the message of God goes out. And one of the things that they're taught, people that become Christians, is whether you come from a Jewish background or you come from a Gentile background, you have some really different habits, but there's some things that don't matter and you need to come together and be able to worship together aside, even though you've got these big differences among you. And so what happens is, boy, there is some real conflict that comes out of it. If we put it on a scale of 1 to 10, this is a 9.79, this conflict. It is a big one. It's threatening to destroy churches, to split people, go all sorts of different directions, to do exactly the opposite of what Jesus has said, is come together as a unified people. They're going to do the opposite. They're going to go their direction. And so... Paul comes to Jerusalem, Peter's there in Jerusalem, the elders in Jerusalem come together and they discuss this. And what they do is they take an issue that is a 9.975 or whatever I said, is a big deal that is really destructive, and they bring it down to a 3. Say, okay, there's ways to deal with this. We can do this together. It's going to be all right. Let's calm down. Let's go through Scripture and let's find solutions. This does not have to be up here we're going to, as elders, help this process to become something down here so we can live in peace. And that's what they do in that situation, prayerfully. And preserving the teachings. And Timothy here talks in, um tells Timothy about elders that teach are worthy of double honor. So that's one of the things that, that comes up here in, um, in Timothy. Now, let's talk about some of what this means here is, in in all of this, what you see, and you see it especially in Acts chapter 15, is elders and others in the church coming together to provide prayerful consensus. And you notice uh, there is uh, this term in the New Testament is always used in plural. Now, in church history, this becomes something that one person does. You have one elder or one bishop that oversees the church and go from there. You don't see that in the early church. What you see is people coming together men that are called to serve as elders, coming together to provide prayerful, spiritual direction as a group. Because there's something in our business world, you want one person that is a hard charger, that is super dynamic up top, to make change, 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 and make money and do that. But in spiritual leadership, is totally different. Spiritual leadership, there are no shortcuts, and it's not fast. But what it is, is walking side by side with people, Taking those situations that seem like a 10 down to a 3 and saying, hey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Let's walk through this together. Making sure that things are above board, things aren't swept under the rugs and, and hid, and just saying, hey, it's going to be all right. We as shepherds are going to walk alongside you, and it's going to be okay. That's a totally different dynamic than having a one-man hard charger. Hey, that's what, uh, that's what the, the Scriptures teach us. That's the example that we're given. Now let me give you... If you notice up there in all of these, when it talks about elder, there's, for example, it's going to say not, and this is the opposite or something very different. Someone who is an elder is not someone who is immature. Like I mentioned, there's no shortcut to spiritual development. Now, we can make it a lot easier on ourselves by being open and transparent and honest and wanting to grow spiritually. But there is no shortcut. There's not some website that you can go to, fill out a questionnaire, and then all of a sudden, bam, there's this spiritual maturity that comes. It's not like that. It comes through life. It comes through walking through side by side with others. It comes through prayer and scripture. And There's no shortcut. It's life, spirit-filled life walking along. Now, I remember... And I've shared this with some of you, but when I was in college, I was at York College for four years. And there were two years where I was really on board ministry-wise. And I was very outward-focused and serving and, and um, being involved in a lot of different really good things. And God was provided, or producing spiritual fruit in the efforts that I was uh, putting forth. And uh, there were two years that I was there where I just seemed flat spiritually. And it just seemed like things didn't go as well as they could have and and all of that. And I realized, I didn't realize at the time, I didn't have the maturity to realize at the time, but something I realized years later is I look back, probably three or four years later, I look back and I realized the two years that I was really on the ball were two years that I was part of small groups that were intergenerational. And I remember my freshman year being a part of a small group, and, and there were, weren't very many college students in it as, at all. In fact, the college students had, and I didn't realize this, or I probably would have done it too, is they had jumped in a few groups and made these groups huge. And there was just one group that was there for, to sign up that had space. And so and I signed up, and I remember Beth's son, Ryan Schrader, was in that group as well. And we signed up, and we showed up, and there weren't really college We were the college students. And this... Um, there were some non-traditional college students that were married and had kids that were there. And somehow we showed up with this group. And, um, and so we, we didn't know any better, and so we showed up, you know. And, uh, and this group just said, hey, we're glad you're here. There's not many college students here, but we really want you to be a part of things here, and we're really glad that you're here. And so we showed up, and we showed up the next week, and we showed up the weeks following. And I didn't realize at the time what was happening, but in our spiritual discussions... I was hearing the voice of the generations. I wasn't just around people my own age that thought the same things that I did. I was talking and interacting with people who were changing diapers, which I definitely was not at that point in time. I was talking to people and listening to people who were having uh, midlife in their career, trying to decide if they were going to make big life changes. I was in the group with someone who is a widow and had been for a number of years and was a school teacher. And I didn't know anything about that stuff. But just hearing their wisdom that was different than my own, I believe, helped me walk straighter than I would have otherwise. In the two years that I, I just was not on, I just wasn't, uh, things just weren't as smooth. I realized I was part of small group ministries where I just had people my own age. And that's all I was hearing. And what it taught me, something very important, is that I always wanted to be part of, hear the voice of the generations, no matter what age I am. I want to hear from people that are in a different spot in life. And that's part of what an elder is, is someone who has walked through life enough and heard the voice of the generations. That's very, very important. And uh, for all of us to listen to those who have gone before us. Here's another term that is used here that we looked at. The term overseer or bishop, as it's uh, it's called as well. Now we'll not we'll talk about what the knots are here in just a minute. But an overseer or someone who is a, the bishop is the term used to, uh, traditionally. We use the term overseer is someone who is who guides, manages, a foreman, a supervisor, caretakers, leaders, those who watch on behalf of someone else. And so let me ask you this question and. Now, this is church, so you have to be honest, right? You don't have to answer out loud, but just think about this. For many of us here, we show up, we participate, and there's a few people here that we may be close to, a few people that we may know. But if you're sitting on this side of the auditorium, if this side of the auditorium does not show up next week and they're not here the week after, they're not here the week after, you might notice, man, there's a big spot over there that's missing. But it's possible for all of us, as we look around to say, for someone to disappear and we just don't even realize it. And so there has to be people that are on the balcony looking down saying, wait a minute, we haven't seen this person for a while. There may be a spiritual issue there. We're concerned about their souls. And we have the balcony or the crow's nest up there. Just think about that. As we are here honoring God and we're participating and we're worshiping and we're assembling and we're singing and all that, There's got to be people among us that will look more than just right next to on either side of the people that I'm familiar with. But we have to have those people that will look over everyone, that will oversee the group and say, wait a minute, there's sheep missing or there's people missing. We've got to figure out where they're at. We've got to figure out what's going on in their hearts because we're concerned about their souls. That's the idea of someone who is an overseer. Okay, what overseer is not is dictator, controller, boss man. Okay, we're going to talk about those to start with. Now, whenever someone is given a position of responsibility, like serving as an elder is a position of responsibility, or an overseer, it's a position of responsibility. With responsibility comes the possibility of power because what happens is when you share life with people and their spiritual authority, you find things out about people. You you understand some things about what makes them tick, and sometimes that can lead to improper use of power. Okay, and so the check and balance in that in that situation is is that elders are called to be accountable above all else. Let's look at a scripture here, and this talks about it in 1 Timothy. It's the second part of the scripture we just uh, saw there here a bit ago. 1 Timothy chapter 5. I'm going to read something here. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And I'll start reading in verse 19. It says, Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning you are to reprove before everyone so that others may take warning. I tar- charge you in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus and elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Okay, so the idea is, and it's very clear in Scripture here, is when elders are out of line, when they are sinning, not just because they're doing something that you don't like. That's different, okay? But when there is sin in the life of an elder, what's supposed to happen is complete transparency with the rest of the church so that everyone else can learn. That's what Scripture talks about here. Because what what that does is that, if a person serving as an elder knows that transparency is important, this is vital, then it makes it really hard to become a dictator, controller, or boss man, right? When I know that the things that I do, the things that I, may sh- I fall short in, I need to be really transparent with everyone about. Okay? That changes things. It keeps power in check. It keeps authority in check. And so here's another idea, is that being an overseer uh, means being a guide, manager, foreman, supervisor, caretaker, leader, those who watch on behalf of. But it doesn't mean either someone who is uninterested. Now, I'll show up, and I've got the title, and that's what I want, and that's good, but I'm not going to, I don't care what happens to anybody else. (laughs) No, that's, that's not healthy either, okay? But you see here that, why it's so important to have people looking from the balcony and looking over souls of others. Let's look at another term here. Another term is um, the term shepherd, or pastor is called in Scripture as well. And as we go along, I may talk about the difference between pastor and minister. I'm not going to do it today, but I'll bring that up another time. And it's not enabler. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But you think about a shepherd. A shepherd's job is to take care of the sheep, protecting, leading them, uh, to water and pasture and care for their injuries, seeking them when they're lost. Those are all things that Scripture talks about as far as what a shepherd does. Now think about it, whenever I've seen shepherds, and I have I saw a shepherd with a bunch of sheep up in the Little Belt Mountains years ago. I saw them several times when I was hiking around the mountains of Italy when I lived there. You come across a rise, and there's sheep all over the place, and there's a shepherd that is there. And uh, let's I remember on one occasion, the guy didn't speak Italian, any Italian that I could recognize, and he didn't understand me, I didn't understand them, but we had a conversation for a while and we talked, and somehow we understood some things. Fascinating time. But I remember watching him, and uh, he didn't walk along with collars around all the sheeps. The sheeps. Did I say sheeps? I said sheeps, didn't I? Come on, kids, correct me. Sheep is plural and singular, right? He didn't walk around with, with leashes on all of the sheep saying, here it is, yank, 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 yank. But he walked along side by side with these sheep helping to provide for their needs to keep them going a good direction. had a light hand. Um, and if a shepherd has a heavy hand and thumps up on the sheep and beats up on them and, and all that all the time, the sheep are going to ultimately do what? Go their own way, go wherever I got to find another shepherd. This is not working. this is tough. this is This is not what I signed up for. And remember um, what I said here just a second ago that a shepherd is not an enabler. okay So shepherds in the church are not to be and cannot be responsible for any of us if we choose to go run off a cliff. Now there is no way if if you want to self destruct spiritually that Mark or Carl or the other shepherds that will serve Lord Willing can stop that that 's not it and sometimes we as people can blame the shepherds for all sorts of things that really is our fault, and uh, we 've chosen to uh, to make poor choices spiritually but it 's a lot easier to blame somebody else than just own it ourselves and so just to be be aware of that, and they 're not called to be enablers or enable people who just want to grumble. I'm not getting my way. I'm upset. I'm up, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to grumble about this. I'm going to grumble about that. The elder's job is not to say, "Okay, we're going to give you whatever you want." The elder's job is to say, "Hey, there's a spiritual problem here. Let's talk about that. Your job is to grow here, not to grumble. Not everybody gets their way all the time. In fact, all of us, n- none of us get our way all the time. Not if we're a community, right? Uh, elders are not called to be people who micromanage others, but to walk alongside and help guide spiritually. Something I was thinking about last night is uh, elders are not called to show favoritism. Now you see Jesus had Peter, Andrew, uh, or Peter, Andrew, and John seem to be closer to him and, and better friends with him. And we have that type of thing in this life. There's some people that we click with better than others. But I'm certain that Jesus cared for each one of the apostles that were following him, and he cares for each one of us the same. And the same is true with shepherds, as we have people that we may click more with than others. But shepherds should never be ones that say, well, good riddance, I'm glad that person's gone, because, oh man, they're a headache. <laughs> you know, we care for, we should be, as, as Christians, caring for each other spiritually um, equally. Now... Here's a one more term that we'll share. Here is steward, and this is the one that's not used as much, but the different. The idea is a trusted slave or freedman charged with managing the household of the owner. Now, um, the example. There's several examples we see of stewards in Scripture, but Joseph is one that I think about immediately. Joseph is one who, after his brothers. After Joseph was, uh, approached his brothers and said, hey, I had a dream that all of you are going to bow down to me and follow me someday. brothers like, yeah, we'll see about that. We're going to throw you in a pit, and then we're going to sell you to the Ishmaelites, and they're going to take you into Egypt, and they're going to sell you into slavery. How do you like that? And we know the end of the story is that his brothers do bow down to Joseph at some point in time as he, God uses various circumstances to have him ascend the ranks of Egypt. But Joseph, as he is working in Potiphar's house, it says he is a steward and he oversees everything of Potiphar's. Now, Joseph is very clear that that which is Potiphar's house is not his. When Potiphar's wife approaches him and says, Hey, Joseph, you look great. Come to bed with me. Joseph says, No way. You don't belong to me. So being a steward is not about owning stuff. It's about Managing what is entrusted for the time being. And that's a difference, because if we approach things like we own it, we treat it differently than if it's something that's entrusted to us and the owner's going to come back and want it back. Totally different that way, right? And so in the spiritual world, um, being an owner, my church, this is my thing, is something that's always going to cause destruction. You see... uh, some of Jesus' disciples tried this. When Peter and James request, or the mother <laughs> requests, them to sit at the sides of Jesus as he comes into his kingdom, what they're doing is, in some form or fashion, looking for ownership. I want power. I want authority. I want this. I want, in some form or fashion, this kingdom to be mine. Jesus says, no, that's not how this works. If you want to be great in this kingdom, it's not about owning anything. It's about serving others. That's what this is supposed to look like. And that's what uh, elders are, are called to be, is those who serve. We're all called to be that. But serving as an elder is not a place of, of, of power, not as the world sees. But power is shown by serving and helping everyone walk along side by side. The rest of us, our job is, as Scripture says, to make their work a joy. My prayer is we appoint elders here in the next while. And we look back five years from now and say, ask these guys, was serving the Belgrade Church a joy that without flinching, without waiting, they can say, oh yeah, it's been a joy the last five years. Look at what God has done here. This has been great. We've had some heartaches. We've had some things that have been difficult. But look at all the good stuff that God has done. And that's what I hope for, I think, that uh, prayerfully we can see going forward. Now, Here is uh, the short answer. We just went through the long answer. But elders, shepherds, overseers, stewards, those are the descriptive terms that are given for spiritual leaders in Scripture, are called to look after the souls of people. Because people are more important than anything else, right? If this building all burned down next week, we'd still have the Belgrade Church of Christ, wouldn't we? Absolutely, we'd find another place. We'd be resilient, and we would continue to fulfill the mission of God. In fact, I heard a story a while back, just a few months ago, from someone who was serving in a church, and he shared this as something that he really appreciated about the hearts of the elders that he was serving alongside. He said, "We did this this uh, addition to a building that we were uh, uh, we were building in this. Uh, there was some type of remodel that happened, and when it was opened." And uh, the, the church uh, met again in this building after the big remodel happened. Some of the elders walked in and said, you know, this is great. I'm really excited to walk in to uh, see what's happened here in this remodel with the building. But to be honest, I never concerned myself with the process because there were others capable of doing that. And what the building looks like is way down on the list for me. But what was vitally important was the souls of people. And I walked side-by-side with people through this process, taking care of their souls because that's the most important thing. And I appreciated that because the understanding was what this is all about is the souls of people and looking out for the souls of people and encouraging the souls of people to walk side-by-side with God. So my hope and prayer for all of us is as you put those nominations in that box today before you leave, and we just prayerfully consider that God walks along this process with us. That we're more equipped here a few months from now, Lord willing, when we appoint elders. And if we don't, then this process has been valuable for other reasons. And we'll talk about that if we come to that. But that we're more equipped to share the abundant life of Jesus together. Let's uh, go ahead and pray, and uh, we'll continue on and and sing. Father, we pray as we Uh, are working through this elder selection process together, that you bless it greatly, and we can share in the abundant life of Jesus more than ever before. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.